Hey guys, it's Katie and Mandy. Welcome to the Dirty Britches Minisode. Hi everybody. Hello. We're here. We're doing a minisode. We realized we <laughs> forgot to do one last week. How did we forget to do that? I don't know. It was like Tuesday afternoon and I was like, oh, yep, we just didn't. <laughs> we just forgot. I think because we were so excited to plan for like the wrap-up episode of season one that we yeah. just weren't really thinking. So apologies. And actually this week, because we're prepping for season two, we actually are not going to have what I'm calling a maxi-sode in my mind, but it sounds like maxi-pad, which like makes me very uncomfortable. Sode. Yes, a Kotex episode. <laughs> uh, that we are needing some time to just prep for the second season, but uh, we would love for people to check out other podcasts that are dealing with histories of racism, and, and we will shout some out here at the end. Um, there, there are some really, really great ones. But I, yeah, I just, I think we're just doing the best we can just mm-hmm. always. So oh I'm happy we're here right now. Yeah. We're going to do and a this, legislative update. Yeah. This episode's kind of like a mishmash of things, some current legislative things going on and then just current thoughts, you know, we do what we want <laughs> as we've said before. <laughs> well, do you want to go first? Cause I could talk for 19 hours about how much I hate this bill. I'm going to talk about Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mine is not really all that specific legislatively, just like a reminder about all of these voting restriction bills that are going on, um, in various States. I mean, they've been, um, introduced in I think like 43 States now. So chances are no 47. It says as of March 24th, 47 States currently have bills introduced into their legislations to restrict different parts of voting. So it is very unlikely that you are living in a state that does not have these bills. Um, so we need to be looking them up and writing to our state representatives about them. Um, there's a great resource which we can link to where you can look up and see what the bills are specifically in your state. It's the Brennan Center for Justice, and they have a state voting bills tracker for 2021, and they have them all listed, and you can just search by your state, and it tells you the bills, um, their names, and then you have to go Google them. So sorry, you can't just click. you got to do a little bit of work. (laughs) Go Google these bills, see what their language is. They also talk about um, bills that expand voting access, And some of the bills have both things in them. So you can't just write a letter that says like oppose, you know, Nevada AB 321 because some of it restricts some sorts Mm -hmm. of voting and expands others. So everybody just needs to go and look up their states and do a little research and write some letters because this all ties into this thing that I was having a spiral yesterday about. (laughs) (laughs) A spiral into joy? A joy spiral? No, no, sorry, not at all. Down the drain (laughs) spiral into despair, (laughs) which ended up with me just taking a nap on the couch because sleeping and acting like reality was not happening. That's all I could do. Um, As I watch, I don't ever, I don't know how much news you watch. I don't really watch TV. I don't watch live TV. We pretty much have given up. We've got like Hulu and Netflix and we just basically watch that 
and share some subscriptions with other friends. <laughs> and I know. I, I, I know. like read the news on in newspapers and I listen to podcasts of stuff, but yeah, I don't like the nightly news. I don't watch that. Yeah. I don't even think there is nightly news. Yes, anymore. there is. No, it's like 24 <laughs> hours a day. Oh, it's well, just like, 24 hours works, a day. The yeah, whole yeah. news. Yeah. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm just saying you could basically what I learned is you only have to watch a news channel for one hour and then they will just repeat that same hour over and over and over again in various iterations that will make you feel more and more like the world is ending. Mm-hmm. Um, so <laughs> I was watching CNN. Sometimes I force myself to watch Fox News just because I you feel should. like I need to know yeah, what's going on. So I watch that occasionally. Mostly I watch it when something is happening, like something big is happening, how like the covering. insurrection. Mm-hmm. Like I turned it on and watched it for that. Or the election. I turn it on, watch it for that. I watch stuff for the Derek Chauvin trial. You know, I'll watch like those little parts of it. I don't know what was happening yesterday. I think that I was cleaning my kitchen and I had already caught up with all of my Hulu shows and mm-hmm. my podcasts mm-hmm. for the week. So mm-hmm. I had nothing to distract me. And so I just decided to turn it on. It was a mistake, not a mistake. I don't know. It's <laughs> <laughs> just. So the focus ended up being on these voting restriction bills because it started with them and talking about Liz Cheney. And I don't know if you've been reading anything about what's going on with Liz Cheney. The the last kind of I heard about her was that she had spoken up against Donald Trump. And so, and that she was saying the election was free and fair, calm the fuck down and that her state party censured her. Yeah. So I think that happened earlier this year. She's already gotten in trouble for it. Mm -hmm. Then she had supposedly this meeting yesterday where she basically just doubled down and was like, no, I'm not getting on board with this. Like this, the election was not stolen. This lie is poisoning our entire party. We are going to lose any credibility if we keep up with this. And Donald Trump crossed a line that you cannot cross with the insurrection credibility still matters. <laughs> like part of me is like, it doesn't, you'll be fine. You'll win elections right. because your party's done a great job at restricting voter access and getting people to watch Fox news. And so you can just tell yeah. them whatever you want to believe in. And that's that. So I appreciate that. Yeah. She still thinks like credibility matters enough to care. Yeah. That, that's well, and helpful. that's the truth. And that's what they went on and on about. There's this poll that shows that like 70% of Republicans do not believe that Biden legitimately won the presidency. Mm-hmm. 70%. That's, that's like, that's a big percentage. Pretty much <laughs> most of the people, 70%, definitely uh, a majority of don't believe that he legit of the Republican <laughs> party. So, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you mm-hmm. know Republicans, you odds know people are. who don't believe. Yeah. Odds are. So, yeah, so you don't have to believe it. And so they're now like g- going to talk about taking away her roles in the Senate because mm-hmm. she made these statements. Because Kevin McCarthy, who's the Senate minority leader and a big, huge, freaking pansy ass that I'd love to kick in the face. And we don't promote <laughs> violence, but I can think about it. I mean, he's gross. Oh, all these people are gross. He's the one he stood up after the insurrection at the Capitol and said that it was Trump's fault. And then he got in trouble for that. And so now he's totally backtracked and like just being a little puppy lap puppy for Trump. Um, So he wants to 
strip her of her roles and basically take all of her power away from her and make her ineffective. But the thing that's crazy about that is this is the only issue that she's not totally conservative, like totally towing yeah. the line on. Yeah. He said she's not representing the party and she's not getting in line with the party's mm-hmm. message. That's the only message she's not in line with. If you go mm-hmm. read her website, she totally rips Biden every single day on the policies that he has. She went after point by point his speech that he just gave to Congress about how he's totally becoming a like leaning into the leftist part of the party mm-hmm. and becoming extreme and breaking all of his promises. I mean, I don't understand what the Republican message is if it's not what she's saying other than that the election was bringing fair. it back around that the election. Yeah. yeah. She's saying the election was fair and their party line is the election was stolen. And when they make that their party line, mm-hmm. then that leads to that. They have to change election laws because if it was stolen, then we have to do things to make sure that mm-hmm. they don't get stolen, quote unquote, again, which mm-hmm. is basically just to keep people from voting. Mm-hmm. Because if enough people vote, voter turnout has always been equated with being better for Democrats. So mm-hmm. restricting voting is always better for Republicans. And that's the only legislation they care about. They're not talking about any of the other conservative principles anymore. It's just basically all voter restriction. So we have to show up in our states and do whatever we can do to push back against the voting restrictions and talk to people about why they're not necessary. There is no proof mm-hmm. of wide-scale voting fraud anywhere close to the degree. We've said this before, but we to just have to say it again. Profession. Anywhere close to the degree where it could have changed an election. Mm-hmm. The only times that's ever happened, I feel like, that I've read about remotely are when Republicans have committed the fraud. So... It just, it made me crazy yesterday and I was losing my mind. Yeah, I totally get that spiral into nap collapse. But I'm (laughs) thinking like your point, contact people, know what those bills are, see what efforts are underway in your community to push back. I mean, I'm feeling a little daunted in my state because we our state legislature has two houses. They're both run by Republicans and then we have a Republican governor. So there's no... Mm -hmm check, you know, like there's really no way to stop it except to try to rally people in your community who Republicans might listen to like business leaders, let's say, um, Mm -hmm. which the bill I'm going to talk about has been one that there was lots of pushing behind the scenes and lobbying to try to get this to change. Um, but there, there was so much legislation this session that was heinous in our state and people had to come out and really push hard. And it's like, you just, like you can't fight everything all at once. I don't think, you know, it's really hard. Yeah. And that yeah. the business leaders who tend to be more conservative or tend to be, you know, a type of Republican, um, that even they were kind of spent, like they'd already spent their social capital basically on these other mm-hmm. bills, like super transphobic bills. And, you know, a lot of the really um, ideological bills that are super frustrating. And this was one because it targets state agencies in K-12 education. It didn't directly affect businesses the same way that some of the other legislation did. And so they just, yeah. I think they were exhausted from fighting other things. And this one was less up in their business, literally. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think they just kind of didn't fight it. And I heard from folks when I was doing my phone calls and trying to talk to people and get 
people on board to write letters or, or whatever from the business community that I heard them say that they, that the, the type of Republicans that are in charge here don't really listen to the economic arguments that are being made. And they think they can get reelected based on these like culture wars they've kicked up. And mm-hmm. so that's that, you know? Mm-hmm. So at this point then, I don't know if I am not a political strategist by any stretch of the imagination, but it seems like, all right, if we can't stop this legislation, we have to take a step back and look at the bigger picture and just try to get different people in office, which of course Mm -hmm. we have these really huge voter restriction restriction bills going through our legislature. And so that's just going to make it harder too. Uh, So now I'm spiraling. Do you see how I ended up on the couch yesterday? I do. I totally do. Because if, if nothing stops this train, then like what's in I happening in Iowa where everything's controlled by Republicans is going to happen at the national level too. And then yeah. what do you do besides just try every cycle to get new people elected? But then there's just stronger laws against that, that ending up working out. So I don't know. Well, this is where I am going to go back on a people's action. And I'm thinking about Brie Carlson and everything she stressed and that, there are people who cannot walk away from tough fights because it's their life. And I feel mm-hmm. like that's it. I can't, I cannot fall asleep on the couch for too long because that is not being in solidarity with people. So just figuring out ways to work on the ground, grassroots, having people understand what's happening, try to combat the misinformation. I think that's the best we can do. Yeah. So here's this yeah. specific bill I wanted to talk about okay. because I, hate it so much. <laughs> like it's so <laughs> distressing to me. Um, but it's in Iowa, it's house file 802. There was also a Senate file, but it just passed the, this, um, the Senate and it's being signed into law and it has an amendment, but I cannot for the life of me understand the amendment actually, which I think does not say much about how legislation is worded. If yeah. people can't understand even what's going on, but I understand the general gist of the bill. And it comes okay. from the one of the last executive orders that when Trump was president that he issued about divisive concepts and not allowing federal funds to be spent on training for implicit bias or like DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion efforts. And so mm-hmm. it was this, you know, this memo that was basically rooted in white men feeling like they were being canceled or like they can't, you know think anything or say anything. And I know I'm, I'm trying to be as fair as possible in describing this because <laughs> I want people to be able to use talking points, but it's, it's insane. Okay. So that executive order immediately got rescinded when Biden took office. I think on the first day, it was one of the orders that got canceled. Yeah. So this is why state elections and local elections matter so, so, so much because the state legislatures were like, Oh, well, we'll just do it then. So they picked up the executive order language and just tweaked it for their state. And the states were Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, Missouri, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, and West Virginia all have drafted these bills. And I'm, um, I've done a lot of work on this for, for my home state and also an article I'm writing, but Sarah Schwartz wrote this great uh, article in Education Week. It's like a, I don't know, like a news magazine for people interested in schools mm-hmm. about these bills that the shorthand is divisive concepts. 
But what they mean is basically talking about racism and sexism, which for our podcast, which I realized just now we have not officially welcomed anyone to or described (laughs) because we always just jump in. This is our Dirty Laundry podcast where we talk about the history of white women's complicity in white supremacy. And so given that we are talking about racism and sexism, Mm -hmm. this bill also matters to us. And at current moment, they can't legislate podcasts. But I kind of feel like maybe we should be careful about that. Like, (laughs) Not be careful in what we say, but just like... Mm -hmm. At some point, media is beyond the purview or, or is right now. Like, you kind of can't put that back in the Pandora's box. Like, I think they're focusing on K-12 schools and state agencies because those are funded with public monies. And so you can, they can clamp down in a way on what gets taught in those spaces. But I'm feeling hopeful that podcasts and YouTube and the internet, you know, as much as they're horrible for misinformation promotion, they can also be really wonderful for getting truth out and speaking truth to power. Yeah. So that's where I'm going to, I'm going to try to be a little bit more optimistic. Okay. So here, here is what this, these bills say. Um, And I'll dig into Iowa specifically, but all of these bills have these things in common. They say that you cannot use public monies to teach that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. And one thing I want to stress with these bills is that they're written in a way that I don't know if this was strategic or not. I'm guessing it was Mm -hmm. where if you just read the beginning, you're like, Oh yeah, I, right. This sounds like a pro equity bill. Like I don't want people teaching that one race or sex is superior to another. Like, sure. I can get on board with that. And a lot of this is coded or it's referring to things that if you don't understand what it's actually legislating, you don't see how dangerous it is. Mm -hmm. So this first bullet that you can't teach that one race or sex is inherently superior to another race or sex. My response is like, well, no shit. Like I would hope that's not what anybody's doing. And to me, it's, it's like a little bit of a red flag. Like, Oh, we're about to go to some weird places because this is when people, people who think black lives matter is teaching that black lives matter more than anybody Mm -hmm. else Mm -hmm. instead of black lives matter as much as anybody else. So it's like that, what you put in the parentheses behind black lives matter that indicates if you are like completely ignorant of what's happening Mm -hmm. in the world, or if you understand how these things work. So that's the first point that all these bills have in common. Mm -hmm. The second that the United States or the state in which the bill is being proposed are fundamentally racist or sexist. So you can't use public money to teach that the U.S. or New Hampshire, let's say, are fundamentally racist or sexist, Mm -hmm. which is actually just untrue. I mean, we can look throughout our history and understand how systems are built. And in fact, yes, this is how it is. Now, what we do about it, those are open questions or how we fix those things are open questions. And there's tons of debate and tons of, I think, really legitimate positions to take on that question. But to say that the United States is not a racist country or hasn't had racism baked into it at its core is so wrong. And what's interesting is that you hear people on the left say this too, like the U.S. isn't racist. (laughs) That's actually exactly what Kamala Harris said after she was speaking, Um, because I think it was in response to, so when Biden addressed Congress, then Tim, I can't remember his last name, who's the governor. Republican? Yeah, the Republican governor. Senator. I thought he was a black man who's a Republican senator. Okay. 
Um, anyway, he got on and said America wasn't racist. And then she, I think, was responding somewhat to that and said also that America wasn't racist. So we were talking about this a little bit because first and foremost, totally appreciate the position that she's in. Just remembering mm-hmm. back to when Michelle Obama made the comment about like being proud of America for the first time. Mm-hmm. And then people just like absolutely Exploring lost their her. shit yeah. over that. Um, so obviously if she comes out and says, of course, America is racist. Mm-hmm. She's just going to get she's absolutely taken mm-hmm. to task for that. Mm-hmm. There's no way she would have any sort of political future, which is not what we want. But, and her position is hard, like as the first woman, the first black woman to be in the position that she's in is incredibly hard. Um, So I understand that, but I also think it was a hugely missed opportunity to, I don't think she had to answer the question as yes, it is. No, it's not. I think she could say people frame it in the wrong way. People use it in the wrong way to polarize us. And we don't need to be that kind of black and white about it. Let's talk about what that means. Let's have a discussion about race. We need to have more discussions about race, which is exactly what these bills are saying we can't do. Mm -hmm. But we need to have more discussions about it to see where it does show up in all of our institutions and our policies and how that impacts people in daily life. Instead of just saying like, no, of course we're not racist. I don't know. I just thought it was a big, it was a missed opportunity. Right. But yeah, I can I see mean, why. I, like, and I, I know we've talked about this too. Like, who are we? Two, <laughs> two white ladies sitting on a podcast to tell Kamala Harris how to do her job. Not at all. I really don't want to get into that whatsoever. I, I can't imagine the tightrope to walk in those situations, but I do appreciate this idea of like being more complex about it in a way Mm -hmm. that's still super accessible to people. So to say, yeah, I'm comfortable with saying that many people don't want to be a racist country. Yeah. I'll, I'll go that far. I think there Mm -hmm. are some who do want it to be. And I think there's some who don't get it and don't know what racism actually is and how it actually works. Um, but I, I mean, I, again, like our constitution enshrined it, like mm-hmm. in the founding documents of the U S government, black people were counted as three fifths of people. I don't know how you explain that away. Right. Except to say like our nation absolutely enshrined enslaving other people based on racialized categories and then fought a civil war over it and has had all sorts of battles, literal and figurative, to try to figure out how to keep distributing resources in a way that benefit whiteness. So I don't, it, it really, I don't know how you tease it out. I think what's useful is to say, we don't want that to be like, we have ideals that we're striving for to be a more perfect union. And when I think about the 1619 project, for instance, like I think that those resources handle this really well. Like there there's an um, opening essay that we've cited before by Nicole Hannah Jones that talks about black Americans being incredibly patriotic and fighting super Mm -hmm. hard for these ideals and to make them a reality, but to deny that these, that there hasn't been systematic structural, like awful racism built in and sexism built in to this country 
you have to be able to name that problem to be able to take it apart and try to make it better. So it is really frustrating to hear that kind of from both ends. And this is where people might've heard of critical race theory. I mean, we could do a whole episode. We probably should on what that actually is, where it comes from, why the right like loses their shit over critical Mm -hmm. race theory. Um, But it's basically just a legal theory saying like, yeah, the law has very often been designed in ways to keep these systems going. And there's tons of evidence that that's true. There's way, there's like lots of branches and like holes to go down and nuances there, but broad strokes that that's what it's saying. So to say that the U S is not fundamentally racist or sexist, like I can say, yes, of course it is. And it's also lots of other things. And Mm -hmm. there have also been really incredible struggles against that. Like it's not just that, Mm -hmm. um, but to deny that, doesn't really get us very far. Okay. So that's the second bullet. The third bullet um, is that individuals because of their race or sex are inherently oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously. So what this bullet is talking about is that we can't use public money to say that because of someone's racial or sex identity, like they're female or male or white or brown or black or however people identify racially, that there's like inherent oppressive behavior or tendencies or whatever within that and conscious or unconscious. And what that is talking about is this idea of implicit bias, which Mm -hmm. we have piles and piles and piles and piles of psychological research research to show is real Mm -hmm. and has life or death consequences for people that we have it baked in because of all the socialization, all the media we've ever consumed, all of the news stories, the the curriculum that we've had as kids growing up, like all of this that has shaped who we think is dangerous, what we think is safe, like all of that is is based on the ways that we were socialized. And so we know that this unconscious implicit bias is there. No, what this is saying is that that individuals, because of their race or sex, are inherently oppressive, whether consciously or unconsciously, is pushing back on this idea that in like anti-racist trainings, we might say like, hey, white people, whiteness works through us unless we're like actively making sure it doesn't. So we have to be mm-hmm. careful about that. This is saying like, you don't know me. Like you can't tell me how I think about the world just based on my racial category, which of course that isn't what that teaching is saying. It's just saying yeah. like, these are systems that we're all a part of, that we're all immersed in and we have to be really careful about it. Yep. Maybe you as a person have worked really hard on this, but to say that whiteness hasn't influenced the lives of people who can either claim whiteness or are perceived as white. It's just bananas. It's bonkers. And I know people think this because I've had conversations with them in these workshops that I run. I know this idea is out there. And so this bill is legitimizing that idea that like, I'm not racist. I have a black friend or I, I think everybody, like, I don't even see color. It doesn't matter. And I treat everybody the same. Like, it's just utter nonsense. Like, unless you literally can't see with your eyes, in which case you also can still hear with your ears. Mm-hmm. You know, like there's, you absolutely are processing the world this way because this is how our society is shaped. I feel like I'm yeah. just rambling at this point. I probably no. should have had more coffee before I started talking, but <laughs> it's just so, so, so frustrating. And then the next bullet is that individuals bear responsibility for actions committed in the past by members of their same race or sex that we can't use public monies to teach that which is talking about reparations, which is talking about like literally what we do here, which is to say, hey, white women, 
white women have been super shitty to other people in the past. And we need to be aware of that legacy and of that impact. And we have to make sure that we don't repeat that. And that we are part of processes to like heal and restore and rebuild communities of trust. Yeah. This is saying like, no, you don't have any obligation to do that. And don't tell me that I do. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. I hate these people. Okay. I shouldn't say that. Just like you don't want to promote violence. I don't want to promote hatred, but oh my God, it's so frustrating. (laughs) Then the last one that all of these bills have in common is that (laughs) this one will just, you'll love this one. That anyone should feel, quote, discomfort, guilt, anguish, or any other form of psychological distress because oh of gosh. their race or sex. Which, of what, course... Do you mean, like, what minorities feel every day because of their race Well, this is what's sex. super interesting, and I, I don't know what the we fallout from these bills are going to be. men to feel <clears throat> uncomfortable, ever. Well, so that's just <laughs> it. Like, I could read that if I'm thinking about, like a queer black female student in my class, I could read Mm -hmm. that and say, Hmm, could I use this bill successfully for her to sue the teacher that is engaging in microaggressions all day long? Mm -hmm. Maybe I could, maybe there's a way to like subvert the the intent of this bill, which a thousand percent is not thinking about that student. It's for sure pushing back like Behind the scenes of this is like the the playbook for every basic like anti-racist 101 training, which is you say at the beginning, we're going to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. especially if you have a dominant identity. This is going to be there are going to be times where we're going to push a little bit. We're going to challenge you. You're going to have to think things that you haven't thought before. You're going to be confronted with information that makes you feel uncomfortable and stick with that discomfort. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. Like every single whether it's good training or bad training. Every yeah. training focused on this will talk about that at some point as like a core principle. So this is, it's taking all those core principles in those playbooks and just flipping them and saying, all of this is divisive and not good. And so we can't, you can't do that. So it's not talking about the minoritized students in class and marginalized students in class who, yes, are experiencing psychological trauma every single Mm day Mm -hmm. in schools or in their workplace or whatever. But to say it, what it's really doing is saying like, don't make white men feel uncomfortable. They're not responsible for anything that happened in the past. You don't know them. You don't know what's in their heart and like blah, blah, fucking blah. Mm -hmm. So, so that's what all the bills have in common. If you live in one of those States, you should check it out here. I will just shout out these dopes. So there are, Um, the the youngest member of our state house is behind a lot of the bills that are the worst. His name is Skylar Wheeler. He's from Orange City, Iowa. Um, he's in his twenties. It's just like for fuck's sake. So he said that Iowans must quote reject the religion of wokeism, which is quote running rampant in our country. Wokeism meaning like accountability and frankness and like acknowledging what is happening. If that's wokeness, I'm like, yeah, then I'm totally behind that. If it's like self-righteousness where people go around like the, like trying to prove who is more down for the cause. Like, I don't think that gets us very far. I don't think that's yeah. helpful, but that's not what he's talking about. Yeah. Um. So here's the, what this other guy, this is Stephen Holt. He's a representative from Denison, Iowa Republican. He said, um, that the equity and diversity inclusion trainings that the, they're legislating against have been bad. And that what we really should be doing is to quote, get to a point where we don't see skin color, oh which is like, 
easy for this like old white dude to say and Mm -hmm. that people should just be based on the character. And when they pull out Martin Luther King to back up this quote, I know that we are not the only people who want to like rip off our clothes and like run naked through the streets screaming about just how absurd that is and how Dr. King in a million years, that is not at all what he was talking about. And it's so taken out of context for his life's work. Um, And then here's the last quote from this guy Holt. Some of this stuff that's being taught these days, seems to turn that on its head, that by virtue of the individual's race or sex, if you're white, you're automatically this, that, or the other thing. And that is unacceptable. <laughs> it just, it, it makes my brain bleed, truly, because yeah. they're taking, and we sh- like, <sighs> strategically, I guess it's like very savvy and creative for them to take this and just like flip it and subvert it and say like, yeah, we care about equity so much that we're not ever going to let you talk about it. Like Mm -hmm. we don't want anyone judged. So don't say anything about anything. And that's how we're going to do it. And it's just maddening. I don't know how else to say it. It's, it's unbelievable. So if you are in one of these States and I will read them again, Idaho, Iowa, Louisiana, Missouri, New Hampshire, Oklahoma, Rhode Island, West Virginia, follow these bills. I know that they've been defeated in a couple of places, but that doesn't mean that the people who supported it aren't sticking around to try to do other things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I I get, I truly, this is my job is to do these kinds of workshops and to do this kind of education. And so I'm really struggling with whether there are people, and I'm sure that there are, people that we just have to do a better job of explaining like what this kind of education is for and about, and that I'm not dictating who you should vote for. I'm not dictating like what you think should be done with some of these questions that are open questions, but there are just fundamental facts that we need to accept and that we have to grapple with and we have to do a better job and that all history is stories that we shape it. There's, there's no such thing as like an apolitical or neutral read on history that we, we have to go in with lenses. There's no way to not do that. And that if we really do care about democracy and and equity and inclusion and justice, then that means we have to learn histories that help us understand how these things have been reproduced and how we need to stop them. So I, I really do think that there are people you can get on board when you just explain and walk them through, like, I'm not trying to get you to agree with me about every single thing. I'm trying to get us on the same page with these facts so that we can have debate and discussion about things that actually matter that move us forward and not get mired in in this like shameless effort to say that white men should never feel uncomfortable or should never face any sort of accountability for whiteness. And and it isn't it's also just I think a really flawed understanding to say it's just white men like whiteness patriarchy works through everybody Mm -hmm. it works through everybody and as as a white man if you're listening you're a white man it doesn't mean that you have to let it work through you you don't have to you can't change well (laughs) we'll talk about rachel dolezal in an upcoming episode Mm -hmm. but like you can't change your skin color you can't change the fact that you you know identify as a certain sex whatever but you what this idea of like okay i'm a white woman that's how i identify it that's who i am But that doesn't mean that I need to let these things work through me. And that doesn't mean that I need to be completely disconnected and in the dark and like my head in the sand about it. Like I can be creating a new way for that identity to matter in the world. And I'd rather be involved in those efforts. So I do think there's people you can get on board that way who are like, oh, okay, 
I I thought you were trying to make me like a robot version of you and just get me to say everything and indoctrinate me. And it that isn't if that is what's happening in those workshops or trainings, that's not good. Like I mm-hmm. I think there are responsible ways to do it. That being said, I know for a fact that some of the legislators that are behind this absolutely know exactly what they're doing and they have they are trying to keep this group of people in power, namely straight, cis, Christian, Euro-American white men, and have those systems, patriarchy, whiteness, colonization, capitalism, like keep all those systems in power. And that is their project. And that is where we fundamentally disagree. And so Mm -hmm. I don't like... Uh, that's where I'm at. Yeah. I just had like a know. giant sigh, exasperated <laughs> sigh. I know it makes me think of one of the books that I'm currently reading. There's so many of them. I get them all mixed up in my head, but I think it's really interesting by um, Adam Grant. It's called think again, the power of knowing what you don't know. Mm. Um, and it's just a really interesting look like psychologically and through research about how, like the more convinced we are mm-hmm. of our knowledge, mm-hmm. the worse off we are. Like the power really is in rethinking things that you're convinced that you know. And I, mm-hmm. we always like to think about that when we're trying to argue with the other side, like you need to rethink, like you need, which I think is true in these, <laughs> but it's also a good check on yourself, you know, and yeah. the healthy ways to really make sure that you're not falling into that like Dunning-Kruger effect, which is also a fascinating thing to What is that? I just heard someone mention that the other day and I put it on my list of things to look into. What is that? So it was this group of, it's these Dunning-Kruger are these two, um, I believe like psychology researchers. They did a bunch of studies um, that basically shows that when it, what it boils down to is the Dunning-Kruger effect is that when we lack competence is when we're most likely to be brimming with overconfidence mm. or when we lack competence, sorry. So Com- yeah, competence. We are overly so, confident. Yeah. The people who are least competent are usually the most confident. Oh my God. This happens in, in their ability. So, as a professor, I've worked with grad students and this is classic. Like, the further you get into grad school, the more you freak out because you're yeah. all you're learning about is how much more you have to learn. Like yeah. you just are constantly calibrating how little you know relative to yes. what's out there. And so you yeah. get this like lack of confidence is really, really strong. You're like, oh my God, I know nothing. But you're like, right. great, then you are actually moving forward because right, right. you are developing a more accurate sense of what that's- you can confidently say you know and what you really don't know. Right. And that's exactly what the Dunning-Kruger effect talks about. So there's like this pretty funny graph where it like graphs on the axis. um, So how much you actually know about a subject with how much you're willing to talk about what you know on a subject. And like in the beginning, when you know just a little bit, you are super confident in telling everybody about it and I'm all about like what you the know. The college student that's in Psych 101 and is like, I'm yeah. diagnosing you as schizophrenic. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Whatever. And then once you get past that point, it just drops off. Like you don't, you're not sure you know anything anymore. You don't want to talk yeah. about it, but it's yeah. your knowledge is actually increasing. And basically, mm-hmm. like the more you know, the more you understand you don't. And I feel like that's how 
I have felt this <laughs> whole first season that we've done. Like <laughs> the more that I learn, the more I'm like, oh shit, I didn't know anything about history and what was actually happening at this oh point God. in the country. No um, but they say, <laughs> they say that uh, the first rule of the Dunning Kruger Club is you don't know you're a member of the Dunning Kruger Club. <laughs> So that's the hard that's, part. Like, how do you have point. that conversation? Like, once you start learning some of these histories, you're like, oh, my God, I don't. Now I have to question everything I thought I knew. This happens with my students all the time. They're like, wait, wait, what was in our mm-hmm. Constitution as a state? Like, wait, what? Now I have to rethink everything. Now I have this whole new set of questions. And again, it doesn't mean we're going to end up all answering them the same way. It just means we're working with the same set of facts. So yeah. I, yeah, I, I'm excited to keep following this line of thought because there, there's a teacher who I adore and she's now, um, doing a lot of work all over the country. Um, her name is Ayo Magwood and I'd love to bring her on to talk about this because she's really committed to ha- like, here are the facts. These are the facts that we're going to teach and this is it. There's not going to be debate about it, but then here are all these policy questions where there's tons of room for debate and disagreement. And we want to teach that in a constructive, healthy way. And we need to be able to distinguish those. And I think social media and the 24-hour news networks to come back to your, you know, spiral of despair (laughs) does not do a good job with that of, Mm -hmm. of helping us engage. And I just read this other article. I cannot believe me remember the name of the woman who wrote this book, but she had this idea where she's like, look, we use these military metaphors that pit one side against another. So then Mm -hmm. what, your work is, is to like, kind of like with Liz Cheney to circle back to that. Like you're not enough of our teammate. Like you Mm -hmm. just have to constantly prove loyalty to your side, regardless of the facts and that that's a problem and that that's polarization and that doesn't get us anywhere. But to, to try to think of ourselves as scouts that are interested in truth. And this is complicated, of course, because we know how racism and sexism works, that it clouds like what tools we think are useful or what voices we think are credible. Like, I think there's a ton to unpack there that I don't think she's necessarily like as nuanced as I would want her to be. But I do like this idea of saying, look, we just, we have to learn these facts and it doesn't mean I hate my country. (laughs) Like we said last episode, it means I love my community even more that I want to make sure people aren't being harmed and that we are being really good to each other. And, and that means leaning into all of this. I've just realized we've turned this mini sode into a maxi sode. <laughs> Get those Kotex out, listeners. We're ready to go. But I, it's like before, when you just put the liner on and you realize that this was wasn't a panty liner at all. <laughs> this was a super absorbent. Do you know that one of my, my cousins are like my sisters and one of their daughters who I feel like is my niece. She, when she got her period, my sister and I were like, we should send her the pads that you get when you have a baby out of, when you push (laughs) one out and you, they are like the most terrifyingly huge adult diaper. It, they like, (laughs) I, they are comically big. Like you can't think that they are like actually what they're going to give to you. And lo and behold, there they are. They're like little tiny mattresses that you're supposed to put in your underwear. So we thought about sending her a box of those to be like, Hey, we're welcome to womanhood and just freak her out. Like that's what you have to wear now. I remember my mom saying when she was little that they had to wear like belts. Oh yeah. 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 I remember that too. I, this, I don't know. It probably has something to do with racism. Now I want to look at the history of sanitary napkins and menstrual <laughs> yeah menstrual products in general i actually would love to do that for a mini so that would be great yeah. anyway on our way out today 
like we said, we're not going to have an episode that comes out on Friday this week, just so, so we can prep for the second season. But I did want to shout out awesome, awesome, awesome podcasts that are history focused, learning about various dimensions of current and past issues with racism. And I, so I'm just going to list some of these and, and hopefully people add these to their list and subscribe. As a reminder, please always subscribe to Our Dirty Laundry Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. If you could take a second to rate us, we really appreciate that. And to do the same with these, because the more people rate these, the more people that subscribe, they get lifted in the algorithm. And all of them are amazing and awesome. And um, I can't speak highly enough of these. Okay, so I'm just going to list them off. No shade to any that I don't go on and on about, but all, all of these are really great. So In the Thick with Maria and Julio. Yo, is this racist? Um, is two comedians that do an incredible job of like breaking down. Is this thing that happened racist or just shitty? <laughs> like what's going on? Helping yeah. us figure out racism. Um, Latina to Latina 1619, which we've mentioned before code switch, which is out of NPR. Um, that does a really great job with current events, but links to history. Um, bitter Brown femmes. They call us Bruce. Um, both of those are looking at like BIPOC queer issues, unreserved, all my relations, um, both fantastic focuses on indigenous issues and histories, Asian American history with Jen and Ted. I've shouted that out before. I cannot get enough of this podcast. It's a father daughter that basically is doing like what we're doing. <laughs> they're just more polished than we are, but they're looking mm-hmm. specifically at Asian, Asian American history. Um, self-evident is another one. Asian America stories, intersectionality matters with Kimberly Crenshaw, who's the scholar who came up with the idea of intersectionality mm-hmm. or like named that. Um, there are, there were groups long before her that were like living it and theorizing about it, but she coined that term. And then, um, another one that's really great teaching hard history, um, that comes out of learning for justice, formerly called teaching tolerance, that is really fantastic, especially for educators. There are others for sure. Um, mm-hmm. through line is another history one that I love, um, that is really focused on histories of people of color. Um, uncivil is one specifically about the civil war. That's super fascinating. Digging up all of these stories, um, around racism and sexism, like how the, the narrative of what we think of as a civil war is usually way more complicated, if not wrong. Um, I don't know. There's so many great ones. Any yeah. that you wanted to add to the list there? Um, no, I mean, I think we have, we did talk about the 1619 project has, is a podcast. And it's not that it's like five or six episodes. It's pretty I think. short. Yeah. Um, so it's a pretty good one to get through. And I thought that it was really great too. So. Ooh, yeah. I don't know if we've mentioned this one or not, but I know it was like one of the top podcasts in the country, but nice white parents oh, yes. is oh, yeah, such yeah. a incredible expose on white liberal parents weaponizing mm-hmm. their whiteness to protect their kids and not seeing or understanding or caring about the impact it was having on communities of color. It it's fan freaking tastic. And so I strongly recommend listening yeah. to that. If you have not already listened to that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So keep listening to those come back to us next week. Mm-hmm. We will have a mini soda and a maxi soda next week for everybody. <laughs> so yeah, we're excited. I think we're going to start our second season looking at the women who were involved in slavery, the white women who, um, enslaved people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Good times. Okay. Hmm, get ready. <laughs> Have a great week. <laughs> to lay on your couches. <laughs> get Talk to those legislators. Get those letters and calls out and, and just keep an yeah. eye and make sure you're involved in state-level elections because that's where the fight for democracy is happening right now, for sure. Um, support the... What's the name of the bill that's in the House for democracy? Is it like, save democracy for fuck's sake, we're all going to die, Bill? <laughs> Now I'm going to look that up and see I what it I think that's says. what it's called. The that's acronym called. is something different, but that's the <laughs> that's basic basically gist. what it's called. Mm-hmm. Great. All right. Everybody get out there. Save the world. We Stop need you. burying your face into a pillow on the couch. We can't. <laughs> Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.